Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open, or you just love the convenience of no-shells pistachios, wonderful pistachios is the perfect healthy snack when hunger strikes. I happen to love me my pistachios. Uh, I don't want to screw around with the nuts, so I love the no-shells pistachios. Anyway, there are a bunch of flavors to choose from, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno, lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts, and each ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number. Along with your existing contacts, ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile, and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Literally, $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. When you look at someone's kit, Mm -hmm. do you make a judgment? Always. 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 I knew it. It's just, you you could just tell what kind of drumming they're going to do. Welcome, everybody, to Literally. Um, thank you for um, downloading, tuning in, whatever the hell you did to get here. Um, really appreciate it, you um, taking part in our little foray. Today, Fred Armisen. I, I just, everything about him makes me laugh. He's, he's one of those people where you look in his eyes, you go, okay, I'm going to be laughing. And today we're going to prove hearing his voice will make you laugh. He's, he's um, multi-talented, one of the nicest men you'll ever work with, and probably my single favorite Parks and Recreation guest star. But we've got a lot to unpack with Fred, so let's get to it. You know, you're a serious drummer. Yeah, I've been a drummer since, um, I don't know, since I was like 12 or something. And uh, I've just, I still consider myself like an an active drummer. I'm just even if I'm doing comedy, if I'm doing something in on a show or something, I, I still approach it like I'm a drummer. I, I was thinking about you because I I just was on a plane and looked over at this guy. and was like, oh my god, that's Dave Grohl. Wow. Don't you think drummers have a very specific kind of thing? I don't know if it's is it a worldview, is it a vibe, is it, I don't know what it is. But like even like I'm obsessed with obviously the Beatles documentary and watching Ringo. 
we, Grohl and I were talking about it, and he goes, what I love about it is you just see what drummers are forced to do, which is s- sit around a lot and watch the other people and go, are we ever going to play? Yeah. A good example uh, also of just like watching someone listen. Like Ringo is just like listening the whole time, li- listening to how the songs go, you know, hearing their conversations. I can't get enough of that documentary. And, and watching Ringo. And Ringo is also, um, he's really consistent. He, every time he plays, it's, I'm, I'm, it's just, uh, he's really dependable. He's such a, he really, really is just the greatest. And, and, you know, people always kind of shit on him forever. I don't know why. Cause he was, it was like, oh, and like, well, in, in Saturday Night Live, Lauren has that famous Lauren Michaels thing where he wants the Beatles to reunite for $75,000. And he goes like, you can divide it amongst yourselves. However you want, you can give Ringo less. Um, it's just a general drummer thing. And since there's like the most famous band, that's like a famous sort of, you know, attitude towards just a lot of just a lot of drummers in general. Just because there's, I think it's because they're in the back. They're sort of, they're not usually the principal songwriters, and um, so they don't have that thing where they're like up front in the stage. They're just like, kind of, you know, just back there somewhere. Even though sometimes they're on risers, but they're. I, I just feel like sometimes there's that attitude towards when, them. When you look at someone's kit, mm-hmm. do you make a judgment? Always. Always, always, always. And it's usually, it's just, you you could just tell what kind of a kind of drumming they're going to (laughs) do. If there's too much stuff, like a lot of little symbols and stuff, you just know it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of playing, meaning like, as opposed to just, you know, playing along to a song or just Mm -hmm. keeping the beat. Um, Weirdly, and this happens, I think, with sort of people who have extra money but aren't really playing that much music when it's really expensive equipment. When you see like a lot of uh, sort of like hardware and brand new drums, it's that's when it looks like a hobby. When it's like uh, uh, someone who's got a lot of money, they're like, I just want to like really get a lot of stuff. And when I see like, I'm not talking about like arena bands and stuff, but I think a lot of the more respected and successful drummers have kind of scaled down kits because they're so confident in their own playing. By the way, this isn't a judgment call on on drummers with expensive kits. I just mean that um, uh, a lot of like really accomplished drummers just keep it simple. Well, let me ask you this. So, okay. And I always mix. That was just my opinion. No. And I always mix it. There's there's Steve and Jeff Picaro. One's the famous drummer. It's Jeff, right? Yeah. So Jeff Picaro, uh, you know, um, God rest him, acclaimed as one of the most technically proficient, amazing drummers who ever lived. Yeah. The biggest kit you've ever seen. <laughs> and then Charlie Watts. Yeah. They're both equally good, right? Definitely. They're, it's almost like just two different tools almost two different genres i mean they're kind of in you know obviously in in rock and roll but uh both yeah incredible uh proficient drummers but just different forms of expression i i love your your show um documentary now and i want you guys to do i know you did you've done the eagles breakup but i want you have you seen these things um it's not behind the music i'm trying to think of the name of them they're on youtube it's it's like the making of various albums. Yes. And there's, 
There's one on Steely Dance Asia. Whoa. Their thing was they could never agree on the studio musician. So they'd bring, like, there's this great bit where they break down the, the guitar solo on Peg. And they show you all wow. of the different guys who came in and according to them, fucked it up. And they play their <laughs> solos that they didn't use. And then they bring in the guy who crushes it, but they have the Purdy shuffle for, yeah. you know, yeah. and he's, he talks about putting his, he, he put a sign up in his kit. You know, this whole thing? No, this, I don't know. He would put a sign up on his kit, like saying, you hired Purdy, the hit maker or something. It's like, it uh -huh. just, it's so ripe for you. But if you do it, I need to be in it. That one I haven't seen, but it's, it's pretty great. And, um, I, I like the idea of breaking down albums and just getting into it. And there's so much there to unpack comedically. Yes. Because of the minutia of it. it just makes me laugh. So much. Yes. Uh, engineers. The, the, the engineers isolating the tracks. Yeah. It's beyond belief. <laughs> it's beyond belief. I, can't get enough. I love seeing that because I've done Beatles ones too. Yeah. Um, I can't get enough of it, but oh my God, it's in every documentary. And it makes me laugh. Isolating the tracks. Have you, um, I went back and watched the Ruddles. Um, oh yeah. And for those of you who don't know the Ruddles, you need to. If you at all care about the Beatles or music or comedy or, it, because it's, it's the original parody satire yeah. of all those Beatles documentaries which were all the same they were all the same mm -hmm. and they're so funny and I and and um, the Monty Python guys made it yeah Lauren Michaels produced it mm -hmm. and do you know that it, it I believe has to this day the world records for the lowest rated television show ever aired on NBC. I didn't know that. <laughs> Literally there's never been anything aired on the network that got less ratings than the ruddles wow somehow it uh somehow that's fitting i mean it's kind of nice like a, yeah it's like a nice that's like a I, I like that as a as a title so what are you doing with apocalypse uh, apocalypse <laughs> well documentary apocalypse now, now uh, uh documentary now we're starting in a couple of months and we're going to be shooting in england by the way who knows with you know thing the way things Why get england? postponed because um, there was like one documentary we wanted to try that would be based out of there. And one of the directors is from Wales. He's, he's Welsh. And then little by little, it seemed to make the most sense. Whenever we do something overseas with documentary now, it, something about it feels um, a little more real. It's just, mm -hmm. it, it, it seems more like a, like a camping trip or something. Um, so that little by little, that sort of made more and more sense. And then that's, that's where, I mean, you know, who knows with all the COVID stuff, but at the moment it's scheduled to be in, in England and I can't wait. I, I love it over there. And, yeah, um, me too. But, uh, I don't think we've ventured into the, the idea of like the, you know, <laughs> the engineer with the <laughs> it's isolated so track. It's so good. It's a, we should do that. And again, the Fagan and Becker, Dude, they break down Michael McDonald's harmonies. Amazing. And it's beyond belief on, 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 Pe again, it's on Peg. And it's just insane what they made him sing. It's insane what they made I mean, him sing. I mean, there's so many layers in that song. And, and also that guitar solo is, in, is just wild. It's, there's so much going on in that guitar solo. Now, I haven't watched it yet. But is the guitar solo edited 
to sound like that to the structure of it or did the no they let them play that that's the thing is they no they let these guys come in and do here they come in they hear the song mm-hmm. and they go okay play and this is what oh, one guy man. decided to play and this is what another guy decided to play and this is what this guy does. and by the way all the ones that are bad sound perfectly good to me and yeah. then, of course, you get to the one that's it's iconic because you've heard it so much. Right. You're just used to that one. But in and of itself, I don't know that it's that much better than the other stuff. There's one that's bad, and that makes me laugh. There's really one guy that came in and <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> sh- and he shit the bed badly. And and these two these two guys who are just just so funny. Yeah, such a good approach. Did you uh, finish the Beatles one? Did you finish Get Back? Oh yeah, not I finished it in in and I. And this is the thing I said to to Dave Grohl. I, I think it's the greatest capture of inspiration and creativity that's ever been put on film. You, literally, there's a camera on Paul McCartney. Oh, there's a camera on George Harrison uh, where he says, so, we, he, wherever songs come from, the universe, wherever they come from, there's a camera on him. Yeah. As it's coming from that place into his mind, going... Something in the way she moves attracts me like, I don't know what it attracts me like. And he goes, and, and John Lennon goes, attracts me like an avocado. doesn't matter. Just sing whatever it matters. And you're like, I'm witnessing. Yeah. I'm witnessing a transformative thing. Yeah. And but the other part of it, though, that you never get to see that people need to know about creativity is the drudgery. And that's why I like that it's, this whole thing is too long. It's incredibly boring in parts, and that's what's great because it is. It should boring. be. It should be. If it was just edited down to all the like flashy parts, it's just not a good representation. The fact that they had band practices and seeing even a band like the Beatles have doubts and just them wondering, you know, eating a lot of eating yeah. a lot of toast. Yeah, so, much, so toast. much toast. If it was L.A., what would it be? Sushi. Avocado toast. Yeah, avocado toast. <laughs> I cannot take credit for that joke. That was my my producers who put that up there. And and well earned. But that's totally what it would be. And so I, I but again, I'm obsessed. I mean, you have such a great body of work and we can talk about all of that, but I am really obsessed with with documentary now. And um because I love well, documentary because all I do is watch documentaries. Yeah. That's all I do. I feel like I read so many scripts. I've, I, you know, I, I, I sometimes this sounds incredibly jaded, but I feel like there isn't a story beat. Forget that I haven't seen, that I haven't played myself. Yeah. yeah. And and so every turn, everything just feels like yeah, okay to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I go to documentaries. Yeah. And 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 I what you, what is your favorite? Give me your three or whatever. I don't want to put pressure on a number, but like. That's a tough one. You want me to go first? Yeah, let's let's hear. Okay, so my my favorite documentary for sure, without any question, anything coming close, has to be um, Ken Burns' Civil War. Fantastic, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's saying that he's great is like saying that Dave Grohl is a great drummer, but I will, I will ca- not counter that. I will add to that by saying the most moving documentary that has ever affected my life is also Ken Burns. There's, there's this one about country music. It's just called Country Music. Mm. It was a series. It changed the way that I hear country music. That's how good it was. Really? The way he broke it down, 
I, I now buy country records in a very different way. Really? Have you met? I met him briefly. He's you such did? a nice man. Yeah, I did. He he was a big West Wing fan, and he came to the set, and wow. and it was great. It was good, and he has a very specific look. Like, I'm surprised you haven't played him because he's got <laughs> he's got the he's got the Beatles hair. Yeah, by he's, the way. Got, he's, he's got, got a, he's got a Beatle haircut. He totally has a Beatle haircut. Yeah. My other, see, my other, I, I think I might like the Elvis documentary with, with the weirdest, most bizarre, banal title. It's like, Elvis, that's the way it is. And it's the documentary of his legendary comeback tour at the Hilton in Las Vegas. Wow. It's, it's all the behind the scenes and like a great, you know, who's who of the glitterati of the time. And it's. It's not the one where he plays Madison Square Garden then. It's a Las Vegas one. It's Las Vegas Hilton. And he's opening the Hilton, which was like the, you know, n- never been a hotel like it before. And and people, my dad, who was not a particular music fan, happened to be in Vegas. And it, he went back every single night. Every single night he went back. He said it, it changed his life. And Elvis was a, a, considered a joke at that point. He'd done all, all, all the bad movies. He was a long way away from, you know, you know, jailhouse rock and all of that. And he was considered kind of a hack. And he came back and did this and just the most charismatic. You just can't believe that a human being like that existed. And what is the documentary? Is it behind the scenes or just him live? It's both. Do you get a good sense of this person? Knowing what we know about Elvis, it's, it's definitely a sort of sanitized version of it. Mm-hmm. But it's... It's, it's, you know, it's, you see him, he's putting on his, you know, his suit and he's talking to the guys and he's warming up and you see him rehearsing and practicing and arriving and eating and it's all of that, but it's mostly, um, the, the actual performance. There's a great bit where they follow Sinatra coming to his seats and you see all the, all the people coming to opening night. It's pretty amazing. Wow. Now we're going to keep adding. Now we're just going to be adding things that we have to see. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm trying to think of what the other. I mean, obviously, Grey Gardens was great, and that was it. Was Grey Gardens the first one you guys did? Yeah, it's the first one we did, first one we shot, and Grey Gardens is so good. I mean, oh. how did that even happen? How did that happen? How, why didn't they pack away their cameras? You know, you'd think that they're like, oh, this I don't know, this let's just pack these away. This is like I don't know what the situation. The fact that they just kept going, keep going. This is gonna be a good documentary, and it's just one of the best. Oh, well, speaking of which, just circling back to the Beatles, my brother's take on this is that John didn't break at the Beatles. George didn't break at the Beatles. Yoko, as it turns out, didn't break at the Beatles. Not you at know all. who broke up the Beatles? Michael Lindsay Hogg. <laughs> His philosophy is Michael Lindsay Hogg broke the Beatles up. Hmm. Because if you watch the documentary, he goes on and on. I don't know what this is. I don't know what we're doing here. I don't. There's no story. There's no story to this. There's no story. So he he manifest created a story of the breaking up of the band Ooh, you mean just by sort of putting that out there it yes, just became that it, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah and if you look at it like you know paul all of the ideas paul wants to go on a riverboat and do it and he wants to do it in tibet and then i, I also love michael lindsey hogg's horrible idea of doing it he keeps coming back to doing it in a temple or something yeah and it's almost like it's really picture it it's amazing that it that part of it really made me laugh because it almost was like it was out of the ruddles i know i know and then I, but then i feel bad because i'm like 
you know, he's still around. So I, I, I still want to be like thankful that he filmed it. That For we sure. have all that footage. So I'm like, well, that, that something in there was, you know, but I think with that youth and also just trying it, it's hard to see while you're making a documentary that there is something there that it's not going to be instant, you know? So that's what's scary. I, and you know, I like making docu documentaries. I haven't made many of them, but I made well, the one that, that really worked the best was um, 30 for 30, all those documentaries. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I made one called I Hate Christian Leitner, which was about um, the, the great Duke basketball playing star. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and, and so now is like when I go out and you get, try to pitch people to buy them, they always want to know everything about a documentary and all the best documentaries f find themselves while you're doing like great gardens that there's, you're not pitching that you're not going in and saying, we're going to, we're going to find this couple and they're really crazy. And you just documentaries reveal themselves to you as you make them. Absolutely. How could you have predicted? There's almost no story to the Grey Gardens one. There's no story. There's nothing that really happens, you know? And it's riveting. Riveting. I could picture it all now. That's how riveting it is. Did you see Rashida's about Quincy Jones? Oh, it's amazing. I loved it. You know, working with Rashida, and I was so lucky on Parks, I worked with her all the time. And so we, yeah. Quincy was a person that I knew peripherally, just, you know, being growing up and being around and running into him here and there and we actually dated some of the same women if you can believe that <laughs> where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment there's only one answer, California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California. Um, and I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history. 
and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone, and an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. So you so you sent a new script. Yep. Can you tell if when you when you look at it, do you go, oh, I know what this is going to be? I can tell by this dialogue, this is going to go this way and then that way, and it's going to be. Or is it all still a mystery to you? It depends on the writing, and and the great writers still fool you. Springsteen has a great quote where he says, "The audience wants two things from you. They want." to be taken on a journey where they actually know where they're going, but they want to be surprised in how they get there. And you have to do both simultaneously. So when it's that, it's, it's fun, but you know, nine and a half times out of 10, I, I do see where it's all headed. Nine times out of 10, you see, you can kind of see like, this is going to be this kind of thing or. Well, but, but also look, it's, I'm, Part of it is I'm I've I've done so much television, and it you know as you know an hour drama, particularly the show I'm on now nine one one Lone Star, which is an adventure show. So there's three adventures an episode, and think of just the story machine that that like that just eats story up. I think I've rescued people in every possible iteration <laughs> of rescuing. Yeah, under the ice, done it. Towering yeah. Inferno done it. It's like, and it's fun. It's totally fun because I love, I love that genre. Like I pitch stuff to the writers and they're like, we done it. Yeah, did it, mm-hmm. done it. Mm-hmm. So you really see a lot. Yeah. Sometimes if something's been done before, I've learned anyway, sometimes it's still okay. I think, you know, if it's. For, well, it's like the, that, you know, Joseph Conrad thing of there are only seven stories. I think it's him who said that. Yeah. Especially with music parody stuff. This Spinal Tap covered it all. Yes. So. What is your favorite Spinal Tap moment? So they, they're talking about a festival they played. They're like, oh, where's that festival we played? It was the Isle of, you know, because there's like the Isle of White. <laughs> like, they're like, I love, I love, I love Lucy. I love Lucy. And it's just, it breezes by in a second. And I, the breezes by in a second ones are the one that makes me, like in the, in the famous scene where they're lost backstage. Hmm, yeah. Hello, Cleveland. Yeah. The thing that makes me laugh is when they ask the janitor for directions and the janitor gives them directions and in the middle of it goes, and then you're going to go to, the, you're going to, and then you make a right and then it's a little, take a little jog and then he's, well, you don't have time for that. Yeah. And then the other thing is like, where's the record? Well, they're, they're, they're experimenting with the album cover and he says, what are they having monkeys open it? <laughs> and it's not even covered. It's not even on camera. Yeah. Neither one of those are on camera. It might be a perfect movie that might be, it's aged so well that it might be perfect. Spinal Tap and Puppet Show. 
the part the part that's funny is that like in a band, someone's still trying to spin it like it's actually okay. Like actually, you know, oh, that's our name was above. They're st- they're still trying to like this is okay. This is okay. the manager. The, the, I think it's the manager who's always trying to put a brave face on the fuck ups. Yeah, is because we've all had that in our careers. We've all had it. I can't tell you how many times. You know, the ratings come out and they're abysmal. And somebody's like, well, listen, you know, yes. in, 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 you know, in, in rural areas, yeah, it's actually so. doing great. And you're <laughs> always, always, there's always something you could sort of pin your hope on. Now, actually, you know, but in the plus five or whatever it is, it actually did pretty good. And, or a lot of shows are going through this. A lot of shows. It's actually, this number is good because a lot of shows are right and it's, now. And this is the new normal. Yeah. There's a lot of new normal. I saw like Rob Reiner does a thing where he tries to cross his arms over his chest. Oh, fantastic. Do you know that bit? And yeah, because yeah, it sort of rolls into itself. And, it, yeah, and then, he, and then he doesn't commit to it. Yeah. Like he's super awkward with it. The, and those accents are great, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not British, but I really feel like those are good British accents. How did, Well, you, you played, according to my notes, Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. The joke of it was we wanted her to sound like she's in The Clash. So I just did like a member of the Clash, Mick Jones, and and you just went from there. And you know, Bill Hader is like a little more sort of Paul Simonon, and uh, yeah, we just—it's an excuse for us to do accents like that, and then to play punk music, and then also to like feel like I'm on a sketch show. That, like that sketch really made me feel in the moment like, wow, I'm really on a on SNL. I'm really on a sketch show just from the, it's so obviously clearly a sketch. Right. And it's not even that high concept. So it just feels just very in, in those moments, uh, it it was really um, gratifying to be like, man, I'm just, I'm really in this show. Did you get more of a buzz out of like crushing it on SNL or like say Portlandia, which I think, the first episode of Portlandia. I love all of Portlandia, but in particular, that that first episode is so fully formed for I think for a show like it's like arrived. It was like undeniable. Thank you. Portlandia was more personal because it's just more uh, of like a, the project was just pretty much you know just me and Carrie. <laughs> so that was felt a little more like uh, like a, a smaller shop. You, that so that which is kind of nice like it's like more of a personal touch but then snl it's so far reaching well uh, you know if i travel or something mm-hmm, where right. someone has seen it like in a faraway place and it's also feels generational like it people of a certain age who grew up on that cast that's uh, exciting because it's like that for me when i think of the snl that i grew up on I like that everyone has their sort of their cast and and it's just yeah but they're both people are so they really uh and I'm sure you I know you experience this they just really connect and they they like saying something and it's always so nice and it's so positive I sometimes feel like Parks and Rec is almost like a cousin yeah I don't know something about it that felt like hey we're 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 kind of doing stuff at the same time and I really like that and that's what was fun with staying in touch with Amy Poehler yeah 
like, what's your experience? What are you going through? And I, I always wanted life to be like that or, you know, post SNL to be like that where you're, you're still experiencing similar things. And your, your appearance on Parks is one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite episodes for oh, sure. I think it, it's one of the first, cause you know, as you know, and you've been on it and thank you. Um, I, I also do a podcast where we break down every episode of Parks and Recreation called Parks and Recollection. So if you're interested, if you're listening and you're interested in parks, you really should check out Parks and Recollection wherever you get your podcast. But your episode, when you show up, is I think the first one of the first times where the show got absolutely funny and it got brilliant. And and I think your character showing up from Venezuela was one of the first times where it was just absolutely undeniably hilarious. I talked about it in the other podcast, but God, I loved it. I still, I still have uh, mementos from it. I'm looking at one, but I think I, I said this in the other podcast too, but I just keep a big Venezuelan hand <laughs> with a flag on it um, that everybody signed. It was so nice, but it was great. And it made my mom proud since she's Venezuelan. So, Oh wait, I'm looking at my notes on you right now. Tell me about this George Harrison, my sweet Lord. Yeah. How about what, what, it? Will you please explain to me what is and how have I not seen it and what is it? Uh, I was kind of enjoying you being that journalist. You should play a journalist someday, because I'm sure their their job is must be so crazy of just like if it's Monday, it must be Leonardo DiCaprio. When yeah, it's Tuesday, yeah. I got Matthew McConaughey. If it's <laughs> Thursday, I've got uh, Chloe Kardashian. You're like okay, whatever. <laughs> the George Harrison thing. Uh, so the George Harrison estate um, re-released. All Things Must Pass, oh. the 50th anniversary of just one of the greatest albums ever, which is, by the way, you see the making of it in Get Back. You see him actually say, I'm just going to put out my own music. That's right. So for, for that, they wanted to do, there's never been a video for My Sweet Lord. And they had this idea of it being comedians, because George is clearly a comedy fan. And um, so they... They got this director who's a friend of mine, Lance Bangs, um, who's got like a good eye for this kind of thing where things can look casual but magical at the same time. And little by little, almost like in a way like the We're, We Are the World thing where we were just here in LA and comedians are around and obviously George Harrison fans and everyone showed up and then it start the video starts with me and Vanessa Bayer. Well, it actually starts with me and Mark Hamill, but uh, then as the song starts, it's me and Vanessa Bayer, and um, it is just us searching for something. We've got flashlights, and we're going through downtown LA. It was cool as hell. It was the, to be, you know, part of anything having to do with the Beatles is endlessly great. I'll I'll never get over it. No, you won't. At, at the end of it. Ringo is in it, our friend Ringo, and he's showing me, I have these flashlights with me and he's showing me a, a drum beat with flashlights. Ringo, it's, you know, I've, I've been staring and listening to, I'm staring at pictures of the Beatles since, I might've been seven or eight or something, maybe eight, listening to their music like everybody and there's Ringo. But still the Beatles always seemed like from another world that I thought, well, that's some, you know, that's something that's out of reach. And Ringo's the reason I, I started playing drums. 
It's because I heard him drumming. He plays like I, I'm not a drummer. I don't know anything about it. Mm. But there's it. I know him when I hear him. Why is that? It's, it's like a signature. It's like an audio signature. You can hear his his expression. He's expressive. There's like humor in it, and there's like a real point to it. When he plays it, there's a commitment to the that fill that right away you're like, oh my god, of course, right? Something about it. It's like a. It's like a. Like with a sharpie. It's like with an outline. Like this is it. Not mm. like, this mm-hmm. is kind of it. I'm going to do noodle around over here. It's like a real frame for everything. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Have you ever seen, you're clearly a music fan. We, I love the way this has turned into a total nerd <laughs> music <know>. thing. <laughs> There's a great, um, you know, do you know the famous Pat Metheny, Kenny G stuff? Um, no, I, I saw the Kenny G documentary. He's Kenny's one of my oldest, well, his longtime wife no, no no longer together now was my my wife's best friend from sixth grade on so i got to know kenny super super well and still i'm very very close with kenny and he's such a character and a great interesting dude yeah and that documentary is great it's so interesting it's fantastic isn't it? it spells out i mean it really shows why kenny g is great and why he is the way he is but there is and by the way my producers are giving you information is wrong no kenny Pat Metheny has a bone to pick with Kenny G and it's super yes. funny. Yeah. And, and, and you pull up the, the interview and it's, he accuses him of noodling. That's re- what made me laugh. Oh, noodling. Yeah. Yeah, noodling is kind of like just, you know, <laughs> <and> drum <laughs> drums, yeah, little things. <laughs> Kenny might but, noodle and I love him. I can say that. Uh, his attitude is so good. I think it just happens to anyone oh. who's like the most popular of anything. They become a target for stuff like that. By the way, do you, do you know that I based Chris Traeger on Kenny G? How so? Well, it's it's the cadence, it's the voice, and it's his, and you don't really see it in the documentary because that's the other side of Kenny, his more serious business side. He doesn't really go into Traegerville, but it's it's like his enthusiasm for things that he doesn't really know anything about. Like, oh, raisins, I like raisins. Oh, this is good. Like that's, that's literally Kenny. Like, like that really? version of Chris is 100% a direct rip from, from Kenny. Ooh, ooh, vitamins. I'm going to take some of those. <laughs> or that's all just Kenny. That's who he is. He's got that thing. And I, I remember going raisins, they're nature's candy. <laughs> Cause I never knew that. And it makes total sense. D- doesn't it? It's the weirdest thing that you, how is that positivity, but it's like a curious positivity. It's, it's curious. It's unrelentingly positive, which at the end yeah. of the day was Chris boiled down to its essence would be positivity and enthusiasm. Yeah. And that's, that's that, that, that is Kenny. Ooh, that sounds great. Tell me about that. He's, he just lives in Kenny world and he's happy as a, a clam. You know, my favorite story is um, he was doing the tonight show. This is how they broke, how they broke him with songbird. That was the big song. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe he tells it in the documentary. Does he, he tell does, us? He does. He does. Yeah. yeah. That that yeah. story where he, where they they cut the song and and you're only going to do one song, but do not do, Songbird. Yeah. You know, people say Kenny's a wimp and the happy go like it's like he, that's a baller hardcore move, especially for a debut. Yes. That's when you're at your most nervous. Like, wait, whatever you say, you want to play Happy Birthday? Absolutely. And it made him. 
And it worked. And it worked. You, you, the power of your own convictions, you know? Yeah. Amazing. He's, yeah, he's, he's an amazing man. I mean, his Christmas album is the, um, that's it. I mean, I, the, the Kenny G Christmas album. To connect to that many people through music, through not even singing, not even singing, the fact that it's like an instrument that people don't even usually listen to. When I go surfing, I come through Kenny's house because he has a, a gate right under the best surf uh, thing. And every time I come through Kenny's house, he's practicing. And then I asked Lindsey Buckingham, one of the great, I think the, the single most underrated guitarist in popular rock history, without a doubt. And he I, he's never practices. Not to make this all about me, I will add to that, that my favorite guitar player of all time is Lindsey Buckingham. No. Easily. Me too. I, there are things that he plays that I can listen to over and over again. I think he doesn't play with a pick either. I think it's sort of like his hands. He play, it's banjo picking. Yeah. It fingernails. Can't get enough. I know. On his solo albums, on everything. Where are you from originally? Ohio. Wow. What city? Dayton. Wow. You're from Dayton. Yeah. How do you know Dayton? Dayton had a really good um, music scene in the 90s. Or it still does. But well, it had the Ohio Players, bro. Ohio Players, um, the Breeders, uh, Brainiac, Guided by Voices. It's for some reason, it's just like this real, it's this place where great music comes out of. I didn't know the Breeders from, were from Dayton. But I had moved out before all that happened. I moved out in 76. So when I'm, it was really the Ohio Players at that point. It was like, oh, like yeah. gnarly, great soul funk. Yeah. My dad was a lawyer, still is, and he represented Marvin Pierce of the Ohio Players. Really? Like, just made it. Is he still practicing? Yeah, he's 81. Wow. Still practicing. That's, that's a good lawyer. Right. You got that many years under your belt? You Come into the doing. courtroom. Yeah. Everybody practically stands up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I only play lawyers on television. I could don't have the <laughs> faculties to actually be one. Although my son just passed the bar last what? year. What? Yeah. So it actually makes my brain skip for a second. Like, but then I'm back to reality. But then, I know. I, but my, hey, congratulations. That's amazing. You know, it's like all around you. Law. I think it's what I actually what I would have done had I not made it as an actor. I think I would have probably yeah. done something like that. You know the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast? My dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox, to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats, keep my dogs healthy, and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. 
To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed, just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this and we all carry around different stressors, big and small, We keep them bottled in and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest. With BetterHelp, visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Rob Lowe. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. You know, at the end of the day, I want to promote you. This is oh, about yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. Me, I me, want me. people to know when they want more Fred, where they're going to get it from and when. I've got a good answer for you. This, I mean, I know that, I don't know how much you could see in this screen. Oh, I can see start, a lot. I'm, start, I'm starting to grow a mustache. Oh, you are. Because on Friday. Can I, wait, can I just say something? I just, is anyone ever told you this? You with the mustache, maybe it was the angle you got a little Tom Hanks thing going on. Ooh. Has anybody ever said that to you before? I've had a couple people say it. Yeah, are you re- oh, there it is. It's definitely something you're doing with the angle. Yeah. Like, I should, when I you're should back, lean into it. When you're back, you're Fred Armisen. But when you c- come in like that, it's Tom Hanks. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, it's good. Um, but I interrupt. Tell me about the mustache. I know, you interrupted. Can know. we, um, editors, can we have that <laughs> interruption edited out? And can, and can I hear it back now? They say done. I just see done <laughs> on my screen. Uh, I'm flying to Chile, to Santiago, Chile, to finish shooting uh, a season of a show that we started during the pandemic. So we've already done season one of a show called Los Espookies. It's in of Spanish. Of course. It's the, the, my and, favorite title ever. Thank you. 
So only now are, uh, are we going back to finish it up. So that's wow. what's next. More season two of Los Espookies. I was worried that Los Espookies was done. And now I'm, I'm, this is the best news ever. It will never be done. I, I officially, it's the one showbiz guarantee that I got from showbiz. They were like, Los Espookies will keep going on forever. As many episodes as you want. They wrote a check. And they're like. <laughs> it literally, as you talk about my son's. It is my son, Jono and Lowe's. We've said it. We've said it out loud. It's our favorite title Aww. for anything we've ever heard of on television. Makes me smile every time I see it or hear it. Well, thank you. Is that the lawyer son? This is the writer son. A writer and a lawyer. I just like that they're productive members of society and good guys. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like they're, yeah. they're not out like, you know, on the back of a boat somewhere with a Mai Tai and a, a model. Yeah. Well, they probably are, but. If they are, they're not doing it on Instagram. Do you, did you um, purposefully instill that in them, like a sort of work ethic, or did it just happen? Their mom, um, who I'm still with, Cheryl, love her to death, doesn't listen to the podcast. I've established that. She can't be bothered, but I do love her anyway. Um, so we've been together for 30 plus years, and she has the best work ethic of any human being I've ever met in my life. And, um, you know, she was a makeup artist, uh, then started a makeup company, then a jewelry company that's killing it right now. I think I'm also a super hard worker. So they inherited double whammy, uh-huh. um, work ethic. Yeah. But I, but I was all over them about scholastics all oh, really? over them. And you're from the arts. And I said out loud, I said, they are going to get enough artsy fartsy shit just by being in my world that what they're going to get is they're going to go to a school with uniforms where they call the teacher Mr. And they're not carrying their skateboards in the hallways. It's not happening because I know other people in our world who go the other way. That's like the Montessori. And there was one very fancy school that we looked at and I never forget the teachers were wearing shorts Mm -hmm. and the kids held up their hand and said, um, Bill question. And I was like, out we're out my kids are not having that they're not being raised around this being in my circus big top world they're going to get enough of that plenty plenty so i went the other way that's the way to go i mean i can't argue with the 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 results it's like they don't they don't you know they don't need to learn the music man as their single raison (laughs) debt at school (laughs) Plenty of sets, plenty of studios, plenty of, you know. Finger painting. Yeah. Plenty. We're good. Like then it's done and whatever. And by the way, one of them, the one who was the most, um, who did the best in school, went to Stanford with straight A's, hmm. came out and got into the arts. If from a healthy place. Yeah, because it, it's like, you know, I, I think if the arts are in you or they're not, you know, and you can, you can only fight genetics so much. And yeah. I thought he was going to be a scientist. And that's what got him in Stanford. I thought, great, I'm going to have a kid that's going to help cure cancer. And instead, I got another kid who wears makeup for a living and writes. What are you going to do? Hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can't fight. You can't fight genetics. <laughs> Lisa came from a, a good organic place. Yes, it, it did. Um, I, I Again, I, I, I said it at the top. I'm going to say it again. I want to be in um, documentary now when the right thing comes up. So you have to... Let me know. I would love that. Fred is another one that I could talk to for hours. 
Um, we didn't even get into Saturday Night Live enough, I don't think. I think we need to have him back. There's definitely a list of people that I'm putting together that we need to have back because we didn't even, you know, get into the stuff we're supposed to talk about. But this is not the show where you go for what you're supposed to talk about. You want that, you can listen to anybody else. And now it is time to check the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line, where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Mr. Lowe, my name is Brian from St. Paul, Minnesota. Big fan of your movies, huge fan of Mr. Traeger, and a huge fan of 911. So when I heard you were going to be in your own version in the 911 averse, I was very excited. My question is related to the 911 show. I'm curious how many of the calls um, in the 911 office and the calls that the fire uh, crew go out to um, work on, how many of those are based in real life or is the writing crew and you guys, all you guys that are on the show, do you all um, kind of pull that out of the air, make that stuff up, write stuff that's interesting? How much of it is made up and how much of it is based on real life? Thanks so much. Um, have a great day. Can't wait to hear the next step. Thanks. Hey, Brian. I'm, I'm glad you're loving Lone Star. Um, we have a blast doing it. Um, yeah, almost all of the calls and the rescues um, are based in reality. Um, the writers spend a lot of time um, calling over news reports, and they're always obviously looking for something that's odd or different or things like that. But everything's based in reality. Everything's based in something that's happened. And then, of course, it's the writer's job to add a layer on top of it that makes it even more entertaining or even more bizarre. Um, but yeah, they, they, that's the job number one. My son writes on that staff, so uh, they're always looking for something crazy. Um, anyway, thanks and keep watching. Um, thanks to Fred. He was great as always. Thanks to you for listening. And we'll see you next week on Literally. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced and engineered by me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Our researcher is Alyssa Grawl. Our talent bookers are Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. And music is by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.